It is great to see you here. It's great to see that you guys brave the storm, you guys brave the weather, and uh, you guys are here safely. Uh, so it's an answer to prayer to us. Uh, my name is Chen, and I serve here as a youth pastor, and I have the great and honor, the great honor and privilege to give God's word this morning to us. If you have your Bibles or your apps, or if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles in front of you in the pews. And we will be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. If you don't have a Bible at home, please receive, take this Bible home with you. Receive it as a gift from us, First Alliance Church, to you. And our prayer is that as you read the Word of God, that you will know Him more. And that your relationship and your love for Him will deepen. So one of the things that my wife and I, we enjoy doing is playing games. Uh, we enjoy, um, we enjoy it because it brings us laugh, uh, laughter. It brings us, uh, just our competitive nature in a lighter sense, right? Uh, for example, um, a few weeks ago, if you guys enjoy watching Star Wars, you guys know that every Star Wars movie out there, there is an epic scene of a lightsaber duel, right? So, a few weeks ago, I challenged my wife. I was like, you know what? I think I'm a better lightsaber duelist than you, sweetie. Uh, and to which I lost every single round. Uh, my wife, a master lightsaber duelist, I would say, she cut off my legs every single round. Um, so I'm being competitive here. I was like, you know what? Let's go one more. No, I didn't do that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my toys. I'm going to go do something else. No, I'm just kidding. I, I asked her, you know what? Instead, let's play a different game then. Let's play, let's play something else. So we're going to play board games now. Uh, so here's the thing about board games in the VU household. Is that whenever we go shopping for board games, we are always attracted to the most artistic, colorful board games out there. Uh, and FYI, the more colorful the board games, the more steps, the more pieces, etc., etc. So when we buy it, uh, we have roles that we play within our household when we start to prep to play this game. Uh, my wife's role is to pick the game. My, my role and my responsibility is to find out how to play it. So as we will open up these pieces, these games, you know, I would take a second to look at every single piece, every admiring the time and efforts that the board game creators, they put into it. Some games, they will have very few pieces. Other games will have over 50 to 60 pieces. And then there are some games out there, believe it or not, that has over 100 pieces. They're called puzzles. Each piece, right? Each piece either will help you get to your goal or it will distract you and lead you astray and then you end up losing the game. You see, each piece serves a purpose and it plays into a bigger part of the game. You see, when we look at the story of redemption, God works as a creator in every board game of life to ever be created. By designing every piece and action to have purpose. Everything is given purpose to bring his redemptive plan into action. Whether that is for you or through you, God does that. 
In our text this morning, we will see how God's redemptive plan came to be. Matthew writes in his gospel account from a unique perspective, uh, Joseph's perspective of God's instruction to him. My hope is that in our time this morning is that it will deepen our understanding of who God is and how his redemptive plan extends to us today. So let's read our passage together here. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. The Word of God says this. Now the birth of Christ Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had Spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and what a privilege it is to celebrate your, the birth of your son, Jesus. Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we simply ask is that your word speaks to us, Lord. We come before you with open hearts to receive your spirit and the work that he does in us to draw us closer to you. May, our, may your word begin its work in us, Lord. We ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. When we look at God's redemptive plan, here's one thing that I, would, I want us to know is that God's redemptive plan is one that is of a supernatural plan. It is miraculous. When we look at our text this morning, we are introduced to this man named Joseph. So a quick 401 on Joseph here is that in Matthew's account of the gospel begins with Jesus' genealogy. But this is very unique because it comes out of Joseph's point of view. You see, Joseph was a man that was betrothed to Mary, as we see here. And there were essentially three parts to this marriage in the Jewish world during this time. The first was engagement, meaning it would be arranged, be most likely an arranged marriage planned by the parents. And the second was betrothal, which means that it made, uh, this made the previous engagement official. And now at this moment, the man and the woman would essentially be known as husband and wife. And again, the only way that this betrothal can be broken is through divorce. It's similar like when uh, in, in our culture, in our Hmong culture, is that 
there's a period, and we call it the Hmong wedding, is that there's a period in between there where my wife and I, for example, when we got married, is that we did our Hmong wedding, and there was a period where we were known in the Hmong community to be married already. It was a similar sense to the betrothal here. And the third was marriage, which took place after the betrothal and the wedding ceremony. At this point, we see this moment in this moment of courtship, Joseph and Mary are both betrothed to one another. And we'll get a little bit into this in our second point here this morning. But a little bit more about Joseph is that an interesting thing is that I, I was reading and studying about Joseph is that he's from the line of Solomon, King Solomon. If you remember Solomon, he was the son of David and Bathsheba. So I want us to see something here, though. Technically speaking, if they were looking for a king of Jerusalem, Joseph would have been the rightful heir to the throne of kingship. But as we see here, this wasn't the case, right? The reason why we find that Joseph is not found, is not sitting on the king or the seat of kingship, is because we find in Jeremiah chapter 22, God cursed Solomon's line. And this curse says that there will be no king or descendant from Solomon that will sit on the throne ever again. So we have to ask the question, how does Jesus become the king then? But here's, so here's another interesting thing. Is that Jesus was still the rightful king to the throne, but this time through Mary's genealogy which we find in Luke chapter 3. We see that she is a descendant from Nathan, who is David's other son and older brother of Solomon. The curse was not upon Nathan, but Solomon. But back to the text of Joseph. So we see here in verse 19, Joseph was a just man, not just a man, a just man, meaning that he was someone who wanted to honor God in all that he did. So these are some pieces that we see about who Joseph is. And, we'll, and, and our text today is going to be from his perspective. So we continue on verse 18. It says that Mary was found to be with child without the means of intimacy with her husband. Now let's be honest here. Like if we were to be in Joseph's shoes, this would raise many questions, right? So we can understand a little bit about how Joseph's thought process was at this moment. If you can imagine, Joseph at this moment, after Mary telling him, hey, I have a, I'm going to have a child, he's probably wondering in his bed, there's only one natural, again, key word, natural explanation of how this could have happened. The conclusion was, she might have been unfaithful to me. But again, we get a glimpse of how Joseph truly is a just man because even with that news, he did not want to shame her, which would entail if this was brought out into public, Mary could have rightfully be stoned and killed. Instead, he wanted to divorce her quietly. We continue on verse 28, and we see an angel of the Lord appear to him in a dream. God steps into this whole problem, this conundrum, this, this situation. 
He reassures Joseph that he is in all of this. Again, when we read the text, the Holy Spirit, right? That God has placed all the pieces of the redemptive plan together. From the fall all the way until now. You see, the redemptive plan coming together and God is moving right at this moment in the context of this account. He is playing the first part of his redemptive plan as we read this section of scripture. He is making the Savior being born on earth. The pieces are moving and the actions are about to be executed. You see, there are many things in our world that can be explained through natural means. But oftentimes when God moves... Because he is above the natural, right? He is supernatural. The way that he executes his actions will always be something that is either hard for us to truly understand or fully grasp. Oh, how often do we find ourselves trying to explain the supernatural things through natural means. So we see this happening right before our very eyes. God's redemptive plan is coming to fruition. And then not only does he make it come to fruition, he makes it very clear that there is only one way, and that is through Jesus only. You see, it's like at this point, it's like this that, that ending climatic end to a game, a board game, where there's two or three final moves. If you are familiar with the game of chess, is that eventually you get to a point where there is a checkmate. Or there is that term check, meaning that you are close to the end. You are close. You are near victory. And this, in a similar sense, this is what is happening. Sin is being cornered. The enemy is being cornered. Jesus is bringing the victory here. To our second point, God's redemptive plan is fulfilled only through Jesus. Now, I should add a few more to this. God's redemptive plan for all mankind is fulfilled only through Jesus. So we look on our text again. The angel said to the Lord, and the message given to Joseph says this in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now Matthew goes on to mention that this angel of the Lord speaks of a prophecy that was given from Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 7. Now here's, now as much study and as in-depth we can go with this, this is the thing that I want us to see. As we leave from this door, as we go from here, as we go back and we, we enjoy time with family and everything like this, go and hope and joy knowing that Jesus' purpose, his birth here on earth, his purpose is to save people from their sin. It's very simple. It's right there in front of us, right? Is that, that's what we read right in the text. An author by the name of John Bloom, a writer for DesiringGod.org, he says this, On the cross, the Father made the sinless Son to be sin for our sake, that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, our propitiator, absorbed the Father's wrath against our sin and satisfied it in full, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but instead enjoy the Father's favor forever. This quote off, this is a passage that we are all very familiar with if we grew up within the church. John 3, 16, right? Jesus' purpose, that final move, that checkmate is to save people from death and from their sin. Jesus' name itself speaks of his purpose. You see, Jesus is Greek. Jesus' name in the Greek is translated as the equivalent of Yeshua. Yeshua translated Joshua from the Hebrew means God saves. You see, Jesus' purpose, his purpose is to be God's redemptive plan. You see, that is God's ace. Not only are those the pieces that we see from afar, but God's redemptive plan extends to you and I. It extends and invites you to be a part of it. When we look at Joseph's response, he obeys when the angel gave him the message. When the Lord speaks, often it will align with what he has said before. But at times in our own lives, in our own finite minds, when we cannot understand it, may we trust in God's wisdom in all things. So we see Joseph, he wakes up and he does as the Lord tells him to. You see, his obedience should be noted here. No questions asked. No hesitation, no doubts. He knew that the Lord had asked him to do something. And he was going to do it. Here's the thing. God's redemptive plan is in motion. And we do not need an angel to speak for us. Granted, the reality is the Lord could use whatever means that he desires to reach out to you and I. Because he has given Jesus to us already and through his death and resurrection, that is the wonderful news. Because of that, we do not perish, but rather we find eternal life in him. But the challenge here and the question that I pose to all of us is your response. What is your response when you hear this? Statistically, they say Christmas service is one of the most attended church services within the church calendar. Now, I don't know if you're here this morning due to tradition or because your parents made you or, you know, you're, you're, you're coming here because your girlfriend asked you or your boyfriend asked you to and you're just like, sure, whatever. But I believe that there is a purpose why you are here. And this is my plea to you. If you do not know who Jesus is, do not leave here without the gift of salvation. Do not go home without knowing Jesus. The truth is our day, today and tomorrow, is not guaranteed. 
My challenge and my question I ask to those who resonates with this, if the Lord is stirring in your heart this morning to receive this gift of salvation, would you surrender? Would you be obedient and receive his love this morning? If you're someone who has found themselves in a place where, they ha- where you haven't been following Jesus closely, if you found yourself saying, man, I've been, I've been wanting to, and, and, but, you know, just life happens, and eh, excuse after excuse, or circumstances and things like that happen, but you're here today, if you're, if you're someone that resonates with that, may today be a day that you turn from the ways of sin and disobedience and face, face Jesus and move towards him. Now, if, you, if you've been following Jesus closely, if you have placed your trust in him already, may today be a day that reminds us. May today be a day of celebration. That all the pieces from centuries, from years, thousands of years ago has come to fruition, has come to us. God's redemptive plan has come. It has been fulfilled through Jesus, the Messiah, and that he is with you. He truly is Emmanuel, God with you. May this be an encouragement to you. May this be a reason that you celebrate. May this be a reason why you return back to him. His plan is there. Again, the challenge is what is your response? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this joyous morning thanking you for all that you have done for us. If you sense that God is stirring in your heart this morning to receive him, or if you find yourself needing to recommit yourself to the Lord again, would you repeat after me at this time? Father, I come before you today and desperate need of your presence in my life. I confess my sins before you, Lord, and acknowledge that there is nothing that I can do to save myself from sin and death. I surrender before you, God, and place my trust in your son, Jesus I ask, Holy Spirit, would you enter into my life and transform me from the inside out? In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Father, thank you for the work that you are doing in the lives of these individuals, and I ask that you will continue to do so in the future. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, his birth, his death on the cross that paid for our sins and the resurrection that has given us life. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. May it remind us of your goodness in all things. We come before you and we ask.
Would you be with us for the rest of our day? We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.